0: Well, on this beautiful Labor Day, Audra and I wanted to chat about something that's been going on far too long.
1: 116 days. (laughs) To
0: be exact. Um, The writers and SAG-AFTRA strikes that have been happening. I think today's a great time to dig into what the unions are asking for. Mm -hmm. Why are those proposals not being met? Why is it taking so long? Mm -hmm. What's the impact of all of this on not just Hollywood, but on how we think about labor in this country in general. So this is not going to be a comprehensive history of unions or labor movements. Certainly not. But just to set the stage, wanted to briefly talk about what a union is, why we have them. And yeah. Yeah,
1: that sounds perfect. And I think we'll kind of come out of that definition of a union and some of their historical achievements. Obviously, like Ellie said, not all, not comprehensive, um, but we'll come out of that into mentioning some historical WGA and SAG strikes in particular, along with talking about what's going on now, what we all can do, whether you're an influencer or an entertainer or actor or just a consumer, what can we do going forward? Beautiful. All right. So I guess we can start with a definition. Mm -hmm. So as the US Department of Labor defines it, it's a union of employees who join together just basically to advance their common interests. So how much they're being paid, what benefits they're being offered, how many hours a day they have to work, other terms and conditions and contractual obligations like that. And the beauty of the union is the power of the collective because your employer might have more leverage over you as an individual employee. And they can just tell you, hey, you want too much. You're asking for too much. We're going to replace you because there's a line down the block of people who would happily take your spot. But in a union, if every single person threatens the bosses in the corner office that they're going to completely halt production or halt working, Mm -hmm. then they have a lot more leverage. So being on that same page and working together to get things like protections against harassment and safer working conditions and all of this stuff is sort of like the value prop of being a member of a union. They're typically very democratic. I'm not really sure how their decisions to go on strike are made, but oftentimes I think it's like well above 90% of approval for the decisions Mm -hmm. that they're making together. And yeah, that's, I think that's a union in a nutshell.
0: Yes. I think it's really the collective bargaining power of those who create capital, but do not own capital. Mm-hmm. being able to have mm-hmm. leveraging power over employers or those who are controlling the capital, the means of production mm-hmm. that is created by the labor force. Mm-hmm. And like you said, an individual can bring up a grievance and be much more vulnerable to losing their job. But when you withhold significant amount of labor, the capital decreases and therefore mm-hmm. you become on more of an even playing field and some of the big wins that unions have been able to achieve historically specifically during the labor movement is an 8-hour workday, weekends, you know, better wages, the end of child labor, uh, oh my god, health benefits aid for injured workers, like if you get hurt at work that you're not forced to continue working or lose your job, Mm -hmm. holidays, paid time off, all of those things that are basic tenets of modern work life that we all sort of expect if you're working in the traditional labor force. We have unions to thank for that. That didn't come out of nothing. It didn't fall out of the sky. It's not how it's always been. Yeah. So I think it's a good framework to think about when we're looking at what's happening now in Hollywood, it's not a bunch of rich people asking for more money. Mm-hmm. On the actor side specifically, 87% of the union members don't make enough money to even qualify for the health care that the union can offer. And that amount of money is only $26,000 a year.
1: That's very, very little. <laughs> That's very little, especially because so many of those actors are not to further proximate them to coastal elite, but a lot of those actors are in New York and L.A. where cost of living is very high and $26,000 doesn't go as far as it would elsewhere. Yeah.
0: So I think when we're thinking about even if a lot of us are not part of that world and maybe don't understand the gravity of the proposals that they're asking for, keep in mind that they are as reasonable as a weekend is.
1: Yes. No, that's such a good point. Like Things that we now consider absolute bare minimum table stakes, like inhumane to go against, those were things that had to be fought for by labor activists and the mm-hmm. labor movement and the things that these actors and other union members are fighting for now. Ultimately, if we zoom out, do feel just as consequential mm-hmm. and important to giving someone fair compensation and dignity. I mean, I know that that labor movement was more the the one we're referencing is during kind of the Industrial Revolution. But as we'll get into with streaming services and maybe more importantly, AI, it does feel like our working landscape is changing as dramatically as it did then. And this mm-hmm. is really, really important, not just for the actors, but yeah, I think it's important for every industry that they're the ones on the front lines and that we support them. Mm-hmm. So let's
0: let's jump into to the meat of this.
1: Yeah. So I figure since there are so many acronyms and new words, we can just quickly... Touch on what they mean. The first one, which was completely brand new to me, is scab. So that's someone who crosses the picket line. And it basically means you're either a member of a striking union who continues to do work anyway with those struck production companies or you're a non-union member who is hired by one of the picketed companies to do work that would replace a striking worker. So this is very widely considered by the members of the union. Very shitty behavior. And it also does mean that you could never join the union in the future. And with respect to these unions in particular, pretty much everything you see on TV, at the movies, commercials, that is all being done by like SAG-AFTRA approved sets you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so if you ever wanted to be in the industry once you've become a scab once you've crossed that picket line you will never be able to participate in any sag project ever again going forward so there is a pretty significant consequence it is really Um, unfortunate though i do empathize with
0: non-union members because i have multiple friends who are artists that do not belong to a union and while they are not Engaging in any scab behavior. I do empathize with them because they're like, honestly, the union has done nothing for me. Mm. I'm not protected. Mm-hmm. It's actually so hard for non-union actors to get hired. And like, in order to join the union, you need to do union work. But it's really hard to get hired yeah. to do union work when they can hire a union actor. So it's very difficult to actually access these spaces and then it's like oh the one time that I might actually have a leg up is during a strike because you're not going to work but out of solidarity I shouldn't Mm -hmm. so that hopefully I can join in the future but that's all very convoluted. So I wish there was a better system there so that solidarity didn't come at such a big loss for non-union members. I think there's a lot of work that could be done there but I do think that in the grand scheme of things we should be supporting these kind of movements and strikes it's just a bummer like i, I wish that there was more done there you yeah know?
1: i absolutely agree with that i think if you're trying to be a like progressive force for good necessarily you need to have clear paths to access for the most marginalized among you and yeah. they're definitely not doing that well but yeah, basically the studios or AMPTP, Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which represents 350 major studios and streamers. Mm-hmm. We'll just refer to that as the studios going forward, probably. The
0: greedy corporate elite.
1: It, well, exactly. <laughs> we're going to create our own acronyms <laughs> that we're going to force you all to memorize and follow along with. The GCE, <laughs> um, <laughs> they would, when a union is striking, very happily take a non-union member and Mm -hmm. pay them more than that non-union member has probably ever been able to imagine at the cost of the union actors in a way that's ultimately still very greedy and doesn't, on the collective, drive meaningful change or Mm -hmm. improvement in working conditions. Mm -hmm. But your point is that some of these non-union actors are between a rock and a hard place. Exactly, it's um, just it sucks
0: that it's the responsibility of an unemployed artist <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to be the bigger person. You know, it's like yeah, I need to pay my bills too. So it it just why yeah. it's always the little guy that has to make more sacrifices.
1: Yeah, it really is, and like the greedy corporate elite GCE are relying on that you yeah. know i mean there's one exec who said the end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses i can't believe that someone would say that out loud i, I know <laughs> someone else called it a cruel but necessary evil like necessary what mm, what no. are you on <laughs> what do you mean it's not necessary at all and like you just said they are counting on the little guy to be the one who has becoming
0: make... desperate enough that mm-hmm. they have to go against their values. Yeah.
1: So, so, so messed up. But yeah, that's scabbing. (laughs) A few other terms I wanted to quickly cover off on include, of course, WGA. That's the Writers Guild of America. So that's the Writers Union, the one that's been striking this year since May 2nd. And then SAG-AFTRA is Screen Actors Guild. And that's like in conjunction with the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, so that's sag After. They've been striking since, I believe it was July 14th this summer. And then we already touched on the GCE is what we'll call them. So
0: <laughs> those... Those are the players. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... We'll talk about the 2007 writer's strike in a moment. But the last time that both SAG and the WGA were striking at the same time was in 1960. So this hasn't happened in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, So we're going through quite a historic time.
1: And um, if you're wondering exactly, or if if you need something to really feel exactly how long ago this was, Mm -hmm. you should know that Reagan was um, president, not of the United States, but of SAG at the time that this last joint WGA and SAG-AFTRA strike happened. Yeah, back then he was still a democratic socialist (laughs) who was super (laughs) pro-union, and It's funny because he said, I mean, I will mention, so he had been president of SAG, I believe, from 1947 to 1952. And then I think he came back in 1960 with a lot of support because he was supposedly, like, great at being the helmsman of the union. But at that time in nineteen sixty. A few years had passed since his original tenure, and he was now a producer. So I feel like that is a conflict of interest. I don't know if he would have been able to then put as much pressure on the studios as he could have otherwise. Mm. So this next quote should be taken with a grain of salt. But he said, negotiating with Mikhail Gorbachev, the Soviet leader, over arms reduction was nothing in comparison to having to negotiate with studio heads that's terrifying (laughs) but yeah it is telling to some degree i mean i will say like he is he was later so not fucking union friendly like firing those air traffic controllers the ultimate scab the oh oh my god (laughs) the betrayal the ultimate scab yes but that is to your point like this was before Reagan was even a Republican that last time. Yeah. They were on strike together, WGA and SAG-AFTRA.
0: That's wild. But more recently, in 2007, there was another writer strike. And very similar to what is being discussed today, it was about payment structures and just the nature of the industry shifting from people all Only being able to really watch content when it was playing on TV to the increase of DVD sales and on demand, Mm -hmm. where that was quickly replacing rerun syndication and reruns were really where writers Mm -hmm. were making the bulk of their money because Mm -hmm. every time an episode of Friends is playing on TV, the writers make a cut known as residuals from the writing that they made. And once people were buying a DVD, and then the reruns aren't happening as much, the writers at the time were not getting any cut from those DVD sales. So Mm -hmm. they went on strike for that.
1: And I think it's perfectly reasonable that as an industry shifts, the rules should too. The rules should too. Yeah. I mean, your show can only become syndicated once you hit 100 episodes. And being Mm -hmm. syndicated is that term for other networks suddenly being able to play reruns of your network's show. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't become syndicated till you had 100 episodes. And I remember listening to a rewatch podcast that had said, after each episode aired, one of the cast members would always call this line, this hotline, where you can have like the network's ratings read out to you by show. And they would sit there with bated breath waiting to hear the ratings of their show. The point being, there was more transparency for those cast members. They could have more leverage and have more negotiating power because they knew, oh, you need us, Network. You need us Mm because we're your best show. And so if you give us an unfair deal, we aren't risking everything by pushing back on you Mm -hmm. because we know you can't walk out that door.
0: I know. I I listened to a rewatch podcast of a very, very popular teen show. And this was like pre-streaming services. They were affected by the 2007 writer's strike. And their boss would basically be telling them all the time, we're about to get canceled. Our show needs to be sexier to compete with the other teen shows, whatever. Like we're on the rocks, like always making them feel like they're two steps away from getting fired. And so they were really unaware of how successful the show actually was. Holy shit. Especially because they were filming not in... LA or New York where you're like always around industry people they were in a small town in the south and so they were very removed and constantly like I'm replaceable the show is not doing that great I don't want to lose my job when they were actually incredibly popular
1: yeah (sighs) I mean speaking of not wanting to lose their job it's almost different than you or me like not wanting to lose our jobs because unemployment rate one 2019 study found that we'll link to in the show notes Unemployment in acting hovers around 90%. Like, if you lose this job, you do not know when you will next see another job. Mm-hmm. Because you could audition for years. I, I, that was even your point with your non-union actor friends. Mm-hmm. They might go to 100 auditions a month and still not get a union role. Because it's just such a maybe saturated industry. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly... The engine behind the unemployment rate. But it's in that way, if you have a boss telling you this show is about to get canceled, unless you, I don't know, work five more hours today, you're going to work five more hours today because you really worry you won't get the next
0: thing. Or do scenes that you're not as comfortable with, like showing more skin or doing... Nudity or kissing more people than you want to, or whatever, and being told the ratings are low because we aren't as sexy as the next show, or you actually rate really poorly. Maybe this would make you more likable. Like the amount of manipulation Ugh. that happens behind the scenes is really based on keeping information very opaque, mm-hmm. gatekeeping the facts so that things like these strikes don't happen because they don't want even though they know that these people are in union members, like they don't want them to feel like they have something to collectively bargain around because they don't mm-hmm. want to actually have to give you yeah. anything. So,
1: and they, and they know the impact will be significant. I mean, the last WGA strike from 2007, which lasted a hundred days crazy to think about since this one is lasting much longer, but it lasted a hundred days and cost California an estimated 2.1 billion as productions halted And all of those out-of-work writers, and thus actors and producers who couldn't work on sets that would have been written by writers in the union, Mm -hmm. all of those people who now aren't earning paychecks cut back on spending. Mm -hmm. So the studios know. The studios know that there is so much power in this collective. The WGA right now is like 11,000 people. The SAG union has, I think, 160,000. And There's a huge impact. And because the studios know that, they do have to play all these manipulative mind games where they hide numbers from you and convince you that you're not worth as much as you really are.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's how long and how much the WGA strike of 2007 was. Let's talk a little bit about like the impact during that strike. Okay. there was a huge increase in people turning to reality TV shows and more TV reality shows being made because unscripted shows do not fall under this umbrella. They're they're not part of the unions. Yet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And people could only really watch that or DVDs of their favorite Mm -hmm. shows if they wanted something to watch. Now with streaming, it's going to probably take us a lot longer, us as viewers, to really feel the impact of all the work that's not being made. Because we have such an overwhelming amount of content
1: to watch Mm
0: -hmm. and all these different ways to watch it. And we're also much more used to multi-year breaks between seasons. Like when I was growing up, you know, your favorite show, first of all, would be like 22 episodes a season. Yeah. There'd be like 13 episodes come out. Then there's like a three month mid-season break. Another 13 come out. Then like four months. And then season two is out. You know, it was a consistent thing. Now you watch a show. And you're like waiting to see if it gets a second season. And then the production value is so high. They don't have the same pressures of like being on a schedule of putting out an episode the next week and writing in breaks for commercials. And it's a very different system now. We're already used to waiting for content. So yeah, I think it'll take us a lot longer to feel the impact as this continues to drag on. And there was also a huge impact on specifically talk shows because talk shows are daily and they are mm. completely reliant on writers. The person that you see as the host is not sitting in the writer's room. Right. It's their personality and their comedic take or whatever. But every joke that they say a writer is doing behind the scenes. And that's like really, you have to be up to date on breaking news and the things that are happening in pop culture. And you really need a big team of people working on that all the time. And so during the 2007 strike, they're... It's kind of common during these strikes that some talk shows will, you know, stand in solidarity and then after a little while kind of cross the picket Mm. line and go back. So, for example, Ellen crossed the picket line and kept her
1: show on saying that she just couldn't bear to lay off all those people. But does that mean... So Ellen DeGeneres crossed the picket line, Mm. which means she's continuing to put a show on television. Yes. And... Thus needs writers. Yes. So are those writers now not members of the Writers Guild? Do they lose their status? I
0: don't know. I, I I don't know. I think it was like union members who were, I guess, down to keep going. While another alternative was that Conan O'Brien, his approach was to pay all of his staff out of his own pocket, keep them on payroll so that they could strike. Mm-hmm. And then instead of just not putting out a show, he deliberately put out a terrible show with like really (laughs) random silly bits to show how necessary writers are. Like this is not funny unless we pay these people to be here. Yes, And I believe Jimmy Kimmel is now paying all of his writers while they're on strike as well, which is good. Obviously, these people are the Jimmy Kimmel's of the world are extremely wealthy, but they're not as wealthy as the studio heads. Right.
1: And I do think it is like the example of Conan paying his staff while they're on strike and Jimmy Kimmel paying his staff while they're on strike. I think those are good examples of how Even when you're not a member of a specific union like the Writers Guild of America, how we can all still stand in solidarity Mm -hmm. and how the collective power of that union grows exponentially when we all support. So, for example, Mm -hmm. a writer can strike for longer when Conan continues paying them. Mm -hmm. Similarly which I know we'll talk about more at the end but these actors and writers can strike for longer if collectively we all agree we want better working conditions for our entertainers we will donate to this fund again yeah. i do not think it should be on us but in a way that i find very like empowering and inspiring there Faith is so and much humanity power. yeah like the more of us that get involved the more we can enact change. And I know Mm -hmm. that's the tenet of every movement ever. But I I think that's like, I love that you brought up Conan and Jimmy Kimmel because that's a beautiful example of how like we can all kind of Mm -hmm. further the cause.
0: Absolutely. Other notable things that were happening during the time the 2008 Golden Globes was kind of just replaced by this like no frills television press conference just reading out the winners very very popular shows were hit hard I won't mention them by name but like very popular (laughs) shows you can look it up got shorter seasons or had a huge drop off in quality because obviously it wasn't written well or like edited enough and stuff like that Mm -hmm. really bad movies were put out (laughs) of like really famous franchises yeah like
1: the only explanation is like damn your writers must be gone
0: (laughs) yeah exactly and so the conclusion of the strike was the writers were ensured that streaming services would have to hire union members for shows that went over a certain budget and at the time they didn't obviously know how important and big streaming services were going to get. Oh my God. Because streaming services, you know, started with putting content that has already been made, buying the rights to it and putting it on a streaming service. Mm -hmm. And then for example, their first original content was and that was a huge gamble that the company decided to do. They spent so much money. It was like this experiment to prove that the streamers could produce excellent television that it didn't have to come from like traditional Mm -hmm. cable studios or whatever so this protection was really great that was established in 2007 because then when they started writing now all streaming services write their own individual work like there's only so much existing ip that you can shuffle around and make money off of
1: right and there's
0: much more to be made in creating original content so it, it ensured that these writers had a job right however The residuals are really where writers make the bulk of their money. They get paid like a fee, a salary or whatever to write the work. But if someone is going to be continuing to sell and repackage and make money off of existing IP that was created by a group of writers, they should benefit from part of those
1: transactions uh, and when, it doesn't make sense that they don't like that's yeah. that's where I get so they like, made the work like that's <laughs> they made it that's what <laughs> confuses me like literally why on God's green earth would some random industry transplant who just joined <laughs> why on earth would they earn more money from this show streaming over and over and over on their platform than someone who created it I don't understand
0: because yeah, they don't own their own the output of their work
1: and it's like so pervasive in art specifically Mm -hmm. i mean i think a lot of us have been having this conversation with taylor swift re-recording her albums Mm -hmm. but there is just this idea like i don't know why but there's this idea at the executive level that artists shouldn't own their work and like Mm -hmm. aren't entitled to any lasting revenue that's earned on the back of that art Yeah, and
0: it's very difficult to i'm sure these artists would love to own their work it's just very difficult to negotiate that into existence because being an artist is so fickle and really difficult mm-hmm. to make a living. And there is the risk of just being told, I'm going to go to the next more desperate artist yeah. and they will certainly find one. That's why these like unions are so important. important. So that is that brings us to today. And that's one of the biggest tenets of one of the biggest proposals during this strike is creating a more reasonable residual System because these shows and these studios and these streaming services are making a ton of money, a ton of money, and that money is
1: not going to the people who create it, it's going to the people who own the company. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, there are so many people. What percentage did you say? 987% of SAG don't even earn $26,000 a year. Meanwhile, if we look at the salaries of the studio execs, and when we say studio execs, we're talking about AMPTP, we are talking about the production companies that are being struck, right? So David Zaslov of war makes 498 million a year. Ari Manuel, 346 million a year, Reed Hastings of NX, 209 million a year. Bob Iger of 195 million a year. I mean, these people are making hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of millions of dollars, which is also like 400 times more than Mm -hmm. the average writer. Which
0: is an astronomical difference that has skyrocketed in the last like 30 years.
1: It's Yeah, it's, I mean, apparently from 1978 to 2021, CEO pay grew by 1,460% when adjusted for inflation, Compared to 18% for the typical worker. Not to mention the fact that pro- productivity rates are increasing. So wages are stagnating. We're getting paid like less for more work while CEOs get richer. It just, mm-hmm. it it's, this is something everyone should be invested in, even if you're not in entertainment, because this mm-hmm. is corporate greed in a nutshell.
0: And other industries are
1: watching. Oh, you know, yeah.
0: Like if this is successful or unsuccessful or however the outcomes play out, sets a level of precedent, not just for this industry, but for other unions that are considering striking and they see how much the writers and the actors are suffering. Maybe that will disincentivize them or feel like we don't actually have that kind of collective bargaining. Like this is not a siloed event. And I understand that just because you're not an artist doesn't mean that your job isn't crucial there it's there's a symbiosis you know like of course like a writer might not be a great business person or good at pitching their work like everyone has a different skill set but if your product is a piece of media you really need people to make that media, so why aren't you paying them? (laughs) Exactly. What
1: we're saying is they are not more necessary, Mm -hmm. but they aren't less necessary. Exactly. They're definitely just as necessary. So for someone to be making 384 times more than the average writer, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah.
0: So some examples of why are we seeing this drop in residuals? A big problem has been these, quote, mini rooms. So a writer's room is... Usually the group of people that are hired to write a TV show, usually like at least seven. And now these mini rooms, you're already writing a smaller amount of episodes and they're also hiring fewer people to do so. Mm -hmm. So it's harder to get a writing job and you're only there for a short term project. So you have to find another job really quickly. And because there are these like short term contracts, they've been paying them the absolute minimum union fees to write these shows. So they're making significantly less than they used to while yeah. these TV shows are still just as, if not more successful than when they were on TV. So it's not like, well, we're writing shorter shows and they're not making as much money. So everybody goes down. The money's still there. They're just not paying them. So like if you write eight episodes of a show, it's not about the like quantity of episodes. It's mm-hmm. like, how much is that bringing to that should be it It's not I have a flat fee per episode oh shit I only wrote two you know like, right the money right. is still there trust me they wouldn't make be making these short shows if if the money wasn't there
1: and like the CEOs know that they are very familiar with the idea of a return on investment mm-hmm. otherwise they I mean otherwise they would necessarily have to pay their lowest paid employee the same amount that they earn because mm-hmm. if 40 hours a week was the same as 40 hours a week anywhere and everyone could be earning the same, They're redundant. They know Mm -hmm. there's a difference in being experienced and being good at what you do. So they should know that writing a good script is very different than writing a bad script. And I mean, talking about this writer's strike in particular one person caitlin fontana a film and tv writer was quoted as saying if the execs gave us everything we asked for it would make a difference of two percent in their bottom line it's really not significant we could literally skim that off bob Iger alone yeah and it would be fine like that that's they wouldn't even feel it they wouldn't even feel it this is just them it's like nominal resistance
0: the proposals that they have brought would cost the studios combined all the studios an estimated 429 million a year Uh, which based on how many (sighs) writers there are that would only be like around a 30k increase per year per member that's not a significant increase in like their lifestyle like these people are not asking for i want a million a year 30k extra a year is really not an astronomical thing that they're requesting and the counter offer has been an 86 million that would co- no, would no, cost no, them 86 no. million a year which would be like five grand each what are we talking about here like no I know,
1: I know. and the counter offers <laughs> I don't know if you've gone through so them insulting. but I was I was reading sag document of like their proposal and then the response from AMTPT whatever And it's, I mean, the things they're rejecting are so out of this world. Like, they wanted to increase penalties to studios for not providing meal breaks. Rejected. (laughs) Like, they wanted money and damages when studios are late to pay the actors, as often happens. And the studios were like, yeah, we know we're always late with your paychecks. So we actually just don't even think a penalty would incentivize us to pay on time. So no. Yeah. It's like, what are you... What? <laughs> like, that's what's so weird is, like, some of these business people at the top... They're, like, telling don't on even themselves. Do business.
0: Yes. It's so funny. They're like, no, I know. I'm not going to be able to do that. So, uh, forget about your paycheck.
1: Yeah.
0: Another huge tenet of the strike is the threat of AI. Oh, yeah. And... You know, AI currently, like a chat GBT and stuff is not that sophisticated right now to Mm -hmm. completely mimic the human voice. But just like in 2007, when they were like, look, in case this streaming thing pops off, I need to be protected. AI will get better. I mean, come on. We know that. So Mm -hmm. the idea of like AI being trained to speak and create like a human using things that people have written to train this AI into taking their job away shouldn't be allowed. So these writers don't want these companies to be able to use their work Mm -hmm. to train their replacement, basically.
1: Right. And I feel like a counter argument from the studios has been, why can't we use AI if it feels like every other industry is? But I do still think it's important to be much more thoughtful about how it will be introduced and what protections we can expect as individuals when it is introduced to a given industry but also i i do i do think i don't know there's something very eerie about the idea of human storytelling suddenly being all machine made creepy creepy shit
0: (laughs) i think that ai should be something that we use to make human jobs better or easier safer yeah you know get rid of aspects of jobs that are tedious and, and dangerous. shouldn't have to yeah. be done or so that we can focus on more like interesting shit to be doing. So there's plenty of room for AI to be cutting away at copy editing, yeah. not having to proofread their stuff or promotional materials or stuff like that so that they can focus on writing things they care about, not for them to completely replace them. But yeah, also the strike. I think this was something about when it was just the writers that it was costing the California economy 30 million a day. Mm hmm and that the money that the studios are losing will likely if it hasn't already surpass the amount that the guild is asking for. Yeah. So it's just it's just evil, you know. Pure and simple. Cuz when they say like we don't we've lost money during the pandemic because people weren't going to the theater or whatever, if really you were worried about losing money, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So you just don't want the precedent. You don't want to reduce your profit margin. And
1: it frustrates me because I do think, I mean, I have mentioned this on the pod before. I read "Let My People Go Surfing" by Yvon Chouinard, and one thing he says, as the founder of Patagonia, is that every time they did the like capital R right thing, it was always better for business. Yes. as a byproduct. Like I was about I, to say that. I was
0: like, after the 2007 strike, there was like a huge boom in excellent television. Like mm-hmm. I, I think this is best for business.
1: Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> Best for business, but I think that there is that protectiveness there's when, a fear. yeah. If the trend has been, oh, wages are rising by eighteen percent for the average worker over fifty years, but one thousand four hundred sixty for mm-hmm. CEOs, they don't want to change the status quo.
0: Of course, yeah. So the so the actors join the strike. They also rely on residuals. Mm-hmm. They want to share in that revenue. The more something streamed, like you said, the penalties of providing meal breaks and just like better working condition basic shit actors also actors work so many hours like it's very common for them to have like 16 to 18 hour days like yeah
1: that's i remember very... i watched um i watched the behind the scenes footage on this dvd of a very famous teen fantasy movie and i remember when one of the protagonists turned 18 they threw them A birthday party and said welcome to night shift because now that they weren't a minor anymore they could start working 18 hour days that is so not it no (laughs) they work long and hard and even I think about some scenes where a lot of them are very like physically intense yeah even like this one very famous sitcom that I remember watching and someone was floating in a lake and they had to film that this person floating in a lake and assume a wrestling suit for, like, hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. And the actor later reportedly had said, yeah, like, everything was chafing. I was freezing cold. Oh, there God. were bugs biting me. And you're just doing that for hours trying to get the right take because you need to film this person on the shore while that actor in the sumo suit is floating behind them at in the background at the right place. I mean... I I don't know. I feel like there's this idea that acting is somehow easy or something anyone could learn or anyone could do. like a
0: frivolous thing. And it's
1: not, I mean, right, it's not. And also, yeah, like the frivolity of it all, I don't want to live in a world without art and theater and performance. No one I, I don't, does.
0: I don't, no one does.
1: Yeah. I just like this. Uh, it's worthy. a worthy cause. It's yeah. a worthy cause.
0: Yeah. And the AI stuff of wanting to pay actors, specifically day actors, like a guest star or not even a guest star, like not someone that already has a name, but like somebody that comes in for one episode or doesn't even have a speaking line yeah. and gets paid the An like
1: extra in the restaurant.
0: Yeah. Like their shitty day rate and they've signed away their likeness How exactly do you think people become the famous people that we know? Like, Mm -hmm. they do these little gigs. So are we just going to, you know, once all the A-listers die, not have any actors? Like, I don't understand. Right, right. I don't get it. It's so preposterous to propose. I'm going to own your image forever. I can put it in anything. I can put it in a scene of abuse. I can put it in a porn. I can put it in anything and make money off of you doing things that maybe you never would have agreed to.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I I just I can't even believe that people would say this out loud and propose something like that. It's so dystopian and fucked up,
1: like so dystopian to the point where. The contract negotiations were extended a record-breaking 12 days before SAG-AFTRA voted to go on strike. And Mm -hmm. they authorized that strike with 98% approval. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just you and me and our, you know, us progressive lefties who think this is unreasonable, Mm -hmm. what the industry or what the studios are saying. It's almost all 160,000 actors and entertainment professionals in that SAG-AFTRA union are stunned Mm -hmm. by how dystopian and how horrible this is. And, I mean... One thing I do want to say is that I did notice in that document, there's this PDF that sag has on their website of what they proposed to the studios with the studio's response. So it's sort of line item by line item. Here's us asking for meals. (laughs) Studios rejected. And it it goes through line by line. Mm -hmm. One thing I noticed is that they apparently in this most recent proposal said they wanted to establish minimum terms for performers who narrate productions for blind and low vision viewers. So for those who don't know, there is something called audio description that a show can do in order to explain what's going on when there's no dialogue. So let's say someone's making very significant eye contact with another cast member from across the room, or they're reading a letter with or a text with this like bombshell revelation. What studios can do is they can hire a narrator to say, "Oh, then Ellie read a text from her husband Santiago that said, "I hate capitalism. You know, like they can mm. <laughs> they can have narrators that makes this accessible to blind and low vision users." And in this document that's like after posted to their website, they write, I am." PTP rejected it, but they also say SAGAFTRA withdrew that proposal and they'll just pursue it in other avenues. And that frustrated me because that was the only line item they had about disabled actors. Mm. And I don't know under ADA or under the Americans with Disability Act, I don't know what current accommodations studios have to provide to their disabled actors. But what I do know is that a vanishingly small percentage of movie and TV roles are disabled characters. I think it's under, in the U.S. right now, 3%, which is, by the way, an 11-year high. Under 3% of roles are disabled characters. Of the people playing those roles, 95% are able-bodied. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So I I hesitate to assume they are accessible in where they shoot or how they shoot and if the trailers can be accessed by wheelchair. You know, I I doubt it. That's interesting.
0: I wonder if there were any discussions from disabled union members asking to include more line items about them specifically saying like, why don't we say that they have to hire a disabled actor for a disabled role? I'm sure that that can get somewhat tricky of like, first of all, I would have a little bit of a fear that they would just never write a disabled character in avoidance of that. But also, like, I do think quotas can get a little messy sometimes of like if this this character is deaf, let's say, and the actor that we want isn't completely deaf, is that not yeah. fair. Although I'm to... sure that disabled
1: activists have answers for that if that yeah. makes sense. Like where they say, just as long as you are disabled playing a disabled role, or if you are a member of this community in some way, I'm sure that they have sort of some specific answer to it and even just I think even if it's like making a location shoot accessible like your vans transporting your actors need to be wheelchair accessible or your trailers need to be wheelchair accessible or you need to on all projects offer audio description or have all of the audio description that you do offer vetted by blind people like I know a lot of blind people are generally they say there's a a massive quality difference in some audio description I feel like there are specific Things that those activists probably have in mind that could improve the space. And I just think that, like, did you
0: find anything about like people having requested something or activists? Pushing for anything that just hasn't been prioritized, or no, the has... thing
1: is, there probably are almost zero disabled union members. Like, how are these actors going to get into SAG in the first place? You know what I mean? Mm. And I think that that's frustrating. And I know it's kind of a chicken or the egg situation, but I just think we continue to invisibilize disability in a way that mm. even on the front lines of like some of the most progressive conversations we're having societally, mm. somehow disabled people are mm-hmm. still being left out. And that's not to say we're doing right by all marginalized communities in this conversation. But but there's like a diversity line item where it says SAG after proposed, and the parties have tentatively agreed to a consultation process to reduce instances of inappropriate, quote, wiggings and quote, paint downs.
0: What? What is that?
1: I'm looking at it on the SAG after website. So, paint downs definition whether by means of hair and makeup, costume, computer generated imagery, stunt and safety equipment, or any other method, the intent is to disguise a racial or ethnic substitution when stunt doubling an actor
0: mm. and then
1: wiggings whether by means of hair and makeup costume computer generated imagery stunt and safety equipment or any other method the intent is to enable a male stunt performer to substitute for a female stunt performer and disguise a gender substitution mm. when stunt doubling an actor so okay i think maybe what that would protect against is if you supposedly have a cast with mm-hmm. 10% black actors but then all your stunt doubles are still all white. It's like, okay, are you really right-sizing the diversity of the people that you hire? Or so that is genders? something
0: that we have not been talking about. Blackface and the stunt double community.
1: <laughs> like, we have not been talking about it. Um, I had not na- I literally had never even considered that. Right, right. And so I'm I'm not at all trying to diminish the importance of that, and I'm glad we're talking about it. I don't see that as being so much more important than accessibility that that would land on this most recent proposal and nothing regarding disability
0: would I feel like it it's kind of like on par and I mean you're you're absolutely right that disability is always pushed to the margins and made as invisible as possible and it's frustrating to see that happening even during a progressive moment Yes I'm tired so they must be tired you know <laughs> Yeah absolutely
1: but OK, the impact.
0: Well, similar to the how the Golden Globes were affected in the last strike, the Emmys have been pushed and pushed. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they'll like, I don't know if the studios would like allow this, but it would be kind of awesome to have no one there. No one accept their award, which totally sucks because I don't it's think hard. it's fair. I don't think it's fair that it has to land again on the actors to like not have their moment of celebration and even more so because actors are like the most visible part of the industry, people that make like short films or all the crew, all the all the people behind the scenes that like create the films, getting those nominations and winning that is such a huge boom to their career. Absolutely. So I do want them to have their moment to like stand in front of their peers and, and get their award and not just have it like mailed to them.
1: Right. I mean, and if it wasn't a huge boom, we wouldn't be so vehemently opposed to like, the rampant discrimination in so many of these academies and things like Mm -hmm. that but you're right and it is ultimately still the writers and the actors who are making the biggest sacrifices you know Mm -hmm. like these execs are on their yachts right now like they you know like they aren't feeling this as much and that sucks Mm
0: -hmm. i think that's a perfect segue into probably my favorite thing To have happened throughout this process, which is the indie projects that have been approved. And that says everything about why this is completely not about lack of
1: money. It's about an abundance of greed. An abundance of greed. So we should say that the strike in effect, shuts down current and future films and scripted TV that employs SAG-AFTRA members. Actors can't even take part in promotional work like social media posts or press junkets or film premieres or fan events like Comic-Con unless the producers, the production companies, the studios that they are promoting and are working for agree to the SAG-AFTRA demands. This also means that independent films can apply for SAG-AFTRA interim agreements a few people have been calling them waivers, and Fran Drescher is like, they are not waivers. In fact, they are the opposite of waivers. We are waiving nothing. These mm-hmm. are the only people who are actually meeting the demands. Yeah. are not waiving our demands. But these interim agreements, as you just said, if indie projects can meet all of these demands in order to achieve an interim agreement with sag 39 indie projects, in fact, including two A24 films, if they can meet these, why can't... They can. They just <laughs> they refuse. <won't. laughs> I, the only other thing I wanted to note is that the other point of confusion I've seen online is whether those projects could then be distributed by the production companies that are struck right now. And no, they cannot. Those companies can't distribute these indie projects until they agree to sag after it demands. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think to close out as a reminder of why this matters, not just to people in Hollywood, Whatever the agreements come out related to AI, for example, could lead to setting precedent to having other fucked up AI practices in other industries. I also saw this uh, video from the Hollywood Reporter of the picket line in L.A., I believe, Mm -hmm. where there were flight attendants who are also on strike joining them. And talking about that this is all about corporate greed. It's not specifically about Hollywood. It's not specifically about movies or TV or anything that the economy at large functions in these ways where corporate greed governs how we live our lives. And Mm -hmm. this uh, flight attendant, she said the corporate overlords or whatever (laughs) try to convince us that we're lucky to have a job and we're here to convince them they're lucky to have our labor yes and I was like that is exactly it so it was really cool to see you know this like cross-sector solidarity yes
1: because the writers and actors are laying a blueprint that other people can start to leverage themselves to Mm
0: so on that note If you would like to support as Audra and I have, you can donate to the Entertainment Community Fund that's helping, you know, support financially. All these people are out of work. Nobody wants Mm -hmm. to have to go on strike. It's a huge sacrifice. And not only do these people love what they do and they can't do it, but they have families and mortgages and food that needs to be put on the table and they were already not making any money. So if you have any extra or an abundance, if you have that too, (laughs) money... um, I think it'd be really cool to share even a little just to show that people care.
1: And if you can't, like every share, every like, every comment counts, Mm -hmm. you know, when you can post the link to the Entertainment Community Mm -hmm. Fund on your Instagram story, do that. If you can't donate yourself, you might have followers who Who can do a pocket change this month. Yes. Yes. And
0: as of now this could you know subject to change as of now as this is being put out the unions have not called for a consumer boycott right
1: as of right now that is true that is what duncan crabtree says so you can go to the movies Mm -hmm. i mean if you
0: have a dvd player throw on a dvd but um, (laughs) you don't need to stop watching your shows but just remember how much you love your your comfort shows and the new shit that's coming out and all that stuff and think about the beautiful people behind it who made it happen so that's what we wanted mm-hmm. to talk about today and we were wishing everyone a lovely labor day labor
1: day weekend everyone but bob Iger. <laughs> <laughs> Culture Calendar is produced by Elisa Nolasco and Audrey Fitzgerald. Show art by Angela Cho and music by Santiago Hervella. Research for each episode is conducted
0: independently and is for entertainment purposes only. Information shared in the show reflects the best we know at this moment in time, and there is always more to learn.